hard to believe it is already December 10th. It's like, where has the calendar gone? But here we are, December 10th, 2023. Joe knows exactly how many days, not until the end of the year, although he knows. Joe, where are you? What's the magic date this week? Five days, December 15th. So, just so you know, if you don't know, Joe Crummy, Angela Crummy, their family, Joe is uh, going on his first sabbatical starting Friday. So let's give him a hand. So, this morning is actually Angela's last time leading worship for three months. So, Angela, thank you. mutual friend of ours showed up this morning and said, well, this is the last day with the crummings. I said, yeah, you stuck with me this morning. Sorry, Bruce. So, I have a question. A question. Here's the question. The question is, what is the most elusive thing on planet Earth today? Now, it's just, it's not the Maple Leafs winning a cup, okay? Although that's right up there. Sorry, Leo. It's, it's up there, but it's not that one. So what is the most elusive thing on planet Earth today? Someone, come on. What? I heard Nancy, I heard several say, what, peace, you guys are great. I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to fish for it. You got it, it's peace. Peace is the most elusive thing on the planet. And the Scriptures teach us that humanity largely has sought a way of life apart from God. And so the suffering that results, the lack of peace that results, is on a multi-level scale. And we end up with conflict, don't we? We end up with conflict. We end up with a lack of peace. Something that the whole world is seeking is very elusive, difficult to find, and there's a lot of things that stand in the way of us as a humanity finding peace. Tons of things. So the bad news first. Okay? So what are some of the things that stand in the way for people to experience peace. And all these things that I'm going to illustrate in a second, they all produce they all produce the opposite of peace as they're played out on the stage of the world. And so, hopefully this works. I think it's working. Yeah, that's it. This doesn't have to be turned on. Oh, here. I've got two. First one. Health crisis. We've all experienced a health crisis, haven't we, in the past few years? Globally, it's a pandemic. And you know what? That raises the anxiety level, doesn't it? Massive anxiety. We're seeing it through our school system right now at an unprecedented level. And in my 
time at St. Thomas University teaching there, I'm seeing the effects of all the social deprivation that took place through COVID. I'm seeing that now as our all of our teachers in our school system, anybody associated with the educational system, we're seeing it. You're seeing it in your workplaces. The health crisis producing anxiety. Economic instability. Been to the grocery store lately. Like, package of mixed colored peppers at Costco is 10 bucks. Like, seriously. Like, two years ago, that same package of peppers was $5.99. So it's almost doubled in price. Look at our fuel prices and mortgages and interest rates and so on through the roof. And so we have a climate of economic instability. We have political unrest all over the world. We have political unrest in the United States. And every time they sneeze, we catch a cold. We see political unrest here in Canada with the political divides and the polarities that exist in our political systems. We see it provincially. We see it locally. Unrest, dissatisfaction all over the place, leading to all kinds of different anxieties, civic unrest, geopolitical tensions all over the world. Climate concerns. These are concerns that if you were to, if you, if you go into a grade 9 or 10 or 11, 12 classroom today and you ask what is the biggest problem in the world right now, that's the one that most students are going to answer. They're terrified of the impending consequences for climate issues. That's the biggest thing. It's one of the biggest things. You think of the economic instability and so on. That's there, but this one is huge. Rapid technological change. How many of you feel on that one? Like it is everywhere, folks. Technological change. Faster than we can keep up with. Just the development just in the past five years in artificial intelligence and so on. And have I have a an interest in it just to understand it and I I use AI to a degree, but to see what its implications can be, it leads to a heightened degree of anxiety. Information overload. All the time, everywhere we turn around, more information coming at us that we can care to even think about or deal with. Societal isolation. Societal isolation. There's this trend right now that's happening in Japan. It's been happening now for the past five or so years. It's called hikikomori. I think I've pronounced it more or less right. Hopefully, if there's any Japanese speakers here, they're not going to, well, they can make fun of me because I deserve it. But I tried. But hikikomori basically describes a phenomenon in Japan where individuals, typically young adults, are isolating themselves from society, often withdrawing from family, friends, and public life altogether. And this withdrawal can be prolonged, and for some individuals, spending months or even years in self-imposed isolation. 
And this is happening on a wide scale in Japan, and we're starting to see this type of societal isolation, albeit in different forms, happening all over. I can live right in my room, and I don't have to go anywhere. I can order skip the dishes two or three times a day, and I can just be me, myself, and I, and I don't have to interact with anybody. Folks, that's not healthy. And that produces heightened anxiety. Identity issues. Look around. Never before in our culture have we been impacted so greatly with so many who are questioning who they are. Great, great anxiety results from that. There's all kinds we could say there. Mental health. One of these just kind of follows the next, doesn't it? But we're in a mental health crisis in our country, in the West, like never before. Again, being in the university, being in public schools, we're seeing mental health issues to the scale that we've never understood. We really don't even know in many ways how to deal with the crisis. Educational pressures. The pressures to perform, the pressures to get an education, to get an education and then wonder if you're going to have a job to go to. There's a lot we could say there. But that is something that weighs heavily. Actually, that is actually one of the reasons why in Japan you're seeing this trend. It's because of the massive pressures culturally on the young people. Conflict and violence. Rumors of wars and wars all over the world. Take a guess. Currently, in the world, how many, right now, how many conflicts that we would call wars are happening today on December 10, 2022? These are wars that are, that are in operation right now around the world. Somebody shout out a number. How many things? How many? 10, 15? Jordan? Five major? 32. 32. There are 32 significant conflicts happening all around the world. There are five major ones, but there's all kinds of other ones that if you lived in these areas, they would feel major to you. Where literally thousands of people are losing their lives on a regular basis. 32. Rumors of wars. Um, and the last one is uncertainty. Doesn't all of this lead to uncertainty? We've never lived in a time, we think, where there's been so much uncertainty. And I would say that we have such a heightened awareness of uncertainty because of all these things, because we're so well-connected, aren't we? We've never lived in a time where it's been like it is today. Never. We know exactly what's going on to the moment all around the globe. Any baseball fans here? How many were wondering, on Friday, is Shohei Otani going to go to the Toronto Blue Jays? And everybody was just continually refreshing their phones, just trying to find... I mean, you can find information instantly. We know what's happening globally when it happens. And folks, it's a tough time to be alive. So as much as we seek peace, we're all prevented from its achievement, 
due to all these things. In fact, when we try to solve these things without God, we end up more and more stressed and anxious. So worry and anxiety, and these are the actual opposites of peace, have become the order of the day. So any notion of attaining perfect peace is replaced by putting coping mechanisms in place and try to simply get through life. Peace becomes a dream, doesn't it? But today, thank God, we have a sure and present hope in Jesus. And today on the second, actually, calendar-wise, this is actually the second Sunday of Advent. And Joe took brilliantly over two weeks to unpack hope. Today we're going to talk about peace. And our scripture that we'll draw from this morning is from Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read it. Actually, why don't we read it together? It's on the screen. How about that, okay? So, ready? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, so says Paul. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So what is peace? What is peace? This is our theme today. We're going to unpack this. How do we define peace? Sometimes it's easier to define peace by looking at what it isn't, and we just did. The absence of peace, or the opposite of peace, is anxiety and despair and hopelessness. Peace is something that we get when we put our complete hope and trust in Jesus Christ. It's the opposite of anxiety. So, the question is, how do we get peace? How does it define why peace? Why do we need peace? We need peace in our lives because we need something to ground us. We need something that will give us a solid foundation. And that solid foundation is only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found there. He's the one that gives us consistency in our lives. He's the one that we can put all of our trust in. Colossians 1.21 says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your, in your minds because of your evil behavior. You see, The reason why we don't have peace in our world is because, as I said earlier, we've walked away from God. And the Scriptures tell us that when we're not walking with God, we're actually His enemy. I never knew that I was God's enemy. 
before I believed in Jesus, I actually, if I'm honest, I hated Christians. I hated them. I hated God. I hated what He stood for. And when I when I spoke with people who had put their trust in Jesus, I had this natural enmity towards them. And I come to find out later that that's a stumbling block that is put in front of those who don't know Him. Jesus becomes that one that I trip over. I didn't realize that I was an enemy. Romans 5.10 says, For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. In Romans 5.10. So we're reconciled to God through Jesus so that we're no longer, as it were, at war with God. He brings us into a right relationship and thereby establishes peace in our lives. And peace is this deep calm from God that we have, and He listens to us. It says in Philippians that when we take our cares and concerns to God, He listens to us. He hears us. He is the one who knows our needs. And we're implored. Paul implores us in Philippians. He says, just come to Him and tell Him everything. Don't hold anything back. Come to Him and be honest with Him. I love to take walks in Odell Park. And when I take walks in Odell Park, oftentimes, being alone on a trail, and I look around first, there's times when I'm just like being really honest with God. And sometimes I just vent my challenges in my life to God and I, I shout them out sometimes. There's times when I'm mad at God. You know that God has big enough shoulders to take all of your concerns and your cares? You can tell Him anything. There's no secrets with Him. He hears everything. He knows everything about you anyway. It doesn't matter who you are. You're in this room right now. God knows every single thought that's ever come into your mind. And He still loves you. Joe said it this morning. It's not that we love God first. He loved us first and gave Himself for us so that we could have relationship with Him. And He says, you know what? I want you to come. I want you to be honest with me. I want you to know that my peace is a real power that will help you to overcome tough times. And you can have this peace in your life. No longer being an enemy of God. He gives you peace first with Him, and then we have peace with others around us. And we can seek for the good of our community, our families, and our world. So how do we attain this peace? How do we attain this peace? Well, we respond to the call of Jesus in our lives. Did you know that you can't believe unless God gives you the faith to believe? He draws you by His Holy Spirit. And if you're hearing me this morning, I want you to know that He is calling you to Himself. He's calling you into a relationship with you. He's making an offer to you this morning. And He's saying, I want to have a relationship with you because I love you. I want a two-way communication with you. I want to be in relationship with you. See, 
we are created for one thing, and that is to worship God. To worship God means to put all of everything in your life before Him and to say it's yours. We worship with the whole of our lives. It's not just on a Sunday morning when we come and we are here together and we sing songs to God. That's, that's a form of worship. But we're called to worship Him. All of us worship. We all worship something or someone. Every one of us. So if you, if you aren't currently in relationship with Jesus, and sometimes, unfortunately, those even who are in relationship with Jesus, sometimes we have a divided loyalty or a divided heart, and we're actually worshiping something else. Because, you see, we're designed for worship. We're designed to give ourselves to something. There's proof in the Scriptures. Ecclesiastes 3.11, my favorite verse, one of them in the whole Bible, is that God has put in our hearts, in your heart and in my heart, God has put the desire for something bigger than yourselves in you. That's what He's done. Every single person on earth has this desire. The desire for someone bigger, I would say. It says in Colossians, for that God was to have all, please, to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, that's in Jesus, and through Him to reconcile Himself to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You see, when Jesus came to the earth, and we're celebrating at this season, the birth of Jesus, we sung about it this morning, this baby who was born in a manger, and sometimes we stop there. We say, oh, isn't that cute? Born in he was born to die. He was born to die for you and for me. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And if we put our trust in Him and on His work that He did on the cross, we find ourselves hidden in Him and we're the recipients of grace and mercy and peace. And He fills us with a hope that can't be denied. It's a hope that Joe spoke about for two weeks. It's peace that I'm telling you about this morning. That despite all the chaos all around us, with everything that I had on that slide at the beginning this morning, despite all of that stuff going on all around us, we can have a peace that comes from being in relationship to Jesus because He gives us that gift, the gift of peace. The Scriptures call Him the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Peace. He owns it. It's His idea. And He gives it to us freely. He's put the desire for us to worship Him deep in our hearts. And when we come to Him, all of a sudden the lights come on and we say, oh, my purpose was not in pursuing money. My purpose was not in pursuing career. My purpose was not in pursuing whatever the case might be. My purpose is to pursue the God of the universe who holds all things together. That's our purpose. That's what He's done. So we attain peace by just very simply responding to the call that Jesus has on us. I can't do this on my own anymore. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I know I need help. I know that I'm failing in so many areas. I know that I'm, it's like I'm beating my head against the wall trying to get through this life. I can't do it stoically anymore. I need help. Jesus, I need you. You know what? You can pray that type of a prayer sincerely from your heart while you're driving down the road, while you're in the shower, 
while you're sitting here this morning. You can experience new life and the peace that I'm talking about that comes as a result of asking Christ, the living Christ, the hope of the world, to come into your life. That's how we attain peace. We'd love to talk to you. If you are saying, yeah, you know what, I, I need this, or maybe you already know Jesus and you just want to have some help and clarifying some things in your life, we'd love to talk to you about that. So, how do we grow in peace? How do we grow in peace? You see, it's something that we cultivate. It's something that we do intentionally. It's a process that's active. It's not passive. There's something associated. When, when we come into relationship with Jesus, there are some things that we do that help us in the cultivation of peace in our lives. We need to focus on different things. And in Philippians today, in our scriptures, it talks about focusing on things that are true, that are honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Things that if we focus on these things and make these things our intent, focusing on positive things, the things we fill our lives with, the result of that is a greater depth and awareness of the peace and the stability that only God can give. It is a discipline. There is active work involved here. And in it, one of those disciplines is learning through all of those things that I just mentioned about what Philippians talks about is we learn to be thankful and grateful no matter what happens. Are we thankful for the calamity that's come into our life? Are we thankful for the... I mean, bad stuff happens. Am I thankful for that thing that happened? No. I'm thankful to God for His provision of peace in my life. I'm thankful for God that despite the circumstances of my life that I'm going through right now, His peace is still evident in my life. His peace is still growing in my life. And I'm choosing to focus on those things which are going to bear good fruit in my life. Those practices in my life as I grow in Jesus, I want to seek, cultivate, and speak with Him, and talk with Him, and spend time with Him. And we've talked a lot in these past couple of years about laying the foundations of our life. Go back and listen to some of those messages about how we are to develop these disciplines in our life, not to try to attain goodness with God, not to try to gain any special favor or status, but because we already have it and we develop and grow in it, and it causes joy to come into our lives, despite our circumstances. Despite loss, you can still be thankful to God. You'll be grateful to God for what He's done in your life. He's calling us to this. And we have a fulfilled promise in the Scriptures this morning in Philippians. It says that if, and I'll try to get back to it here, it says, if we do this, then what happens is, is that His peace, the promise is, if you focus on these things and develop these things in your life, His promise is, is that He will guard your heart, He will guard your mind in Himself. He protects you. He gives you what you need. Philippians 4.7 says this, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Real peace 
comes from loving God more than anything else. And to be honest, it took me a while to learn this one. But would that I have learned it a lot sooner in my life. When I place God first as the first love of my life, things change. My old ways of thinking start to change. Things that I feel like I'm in bondage to, things that keep hold of me. If, if you look at your life, and if I look at my life, and I recognize that there's a pattern of thinking that I have that isn't good, that it's like I need to be free of this, the more we develop in these disciplines of being grateful and thankful to God and spending time with Him, both with Him and with His people, these things can change. And lastly, what's the key to lasting peace? What is it that helps us to stay in that place? Well, I wish it could be more sexy, but folks, it's seeing the wonder of Jesus. Altogether lovely. We sang about it this morning. Jesus is lovely. Here I am. 54 year old French short guy. I used to have a hard time saying that Jesus was beautiful. But thankfully, I've been able to get in touch with. Get in touch with my feelings. I do have more than one. But I can get in touch with my feelings and I can say, Jesus, you're beautiful. You really are beautiful. I wanna I want to last stay in that lasting posture of recognizing his beauty. When I read his word, I'm seeing the beauty of who Jesus is in all of his splendor and all of his glory. He never changes folks. I showed that list on the screen. How much change was there there? All kinds. He never changes. He's the rock that we can build our lives on. Seriously. He really is. What is the foundation of your life? What is the foundation of my life? Jesus has given us stability. He's given me a stability I never had. I was the most inconsistent, unstable person that I knew. I am serious. My instability impacted all of those around me. My lack of being dependable affected so many around me. Ruined relationships. But when Jesus fully made himself real in my life and I recognized him for his beauty and he established himself in my life and I find myself hidden in him, he's the one that means the most. And because he's the one that means the most, his opinion of me is all that really matters. And through that, and in that, I'm able to, in some small way, be like Jesus to those around me. Because that's what he's doing in my life. I can then reflect that to those around me. You see, folks, Jesus is the light of the world, and you then become the light of the world as a result. See, peace found when we focus our hearts and mind on, on Jesus. You know, the scriptures are saying that, the scriptures saying that this morning. When we focus our hearts and minds on Him, He promises peace, folks. It's a promise. It's like it's like He's dependable. It's, I've never played competitive poker, for the record. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. But if I were to play poker and Jesus was sitting across the table from me, I'd be quite confident in putting all my chips in the center. Because you know what? It's not dependent on my hand. It's dependent on what hand he has. And his hand's always going to be a straight royal flush all the time. Like, I can bet on him. I can depend on him. He's the one that is sure. He's a foundation for you. He's a foundation for me. What are we putting our hope in today? What source of peace are we looking for in our lives? It can only be found in Jesus. He's the only one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You see, all those scriptures, unfortunately, sometimes out of their context, they find their way on bumper stickers and coffee cups, and they just... But seriously, folks, He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the one that I find my life in. I'm hidden in Him. All of my imperfections that I have many talk to those who know me best. See, it's a received peace. It's one I can't earn. It's been given to me. It's been given to Trevor. You've got to receive peace. It's been given to you. It's been totally free. He's given it to you. Betty, you have a received peace. It's been given. I know Betty. I've known Betty for a long time. A long time. 30 plus years I've known Betty. I know that she's got to receive peace. She didn't earn it. It's a peace that was given to her by Jesus. I'll tell the story out of school, Betty. Is that okay? Because I'll tell you. About 1996, we used to have a life group at our home on Saturday nights. And then it moved to Tuesday night or something. We'd have a lot of people would gather. We would worship God and we would pray for people. And Betty would come. She would stay for a little while. But I believe that Betty today would say that she was one of those enemies of God at that time. Although she was sniffing around the peripheral, she would come and invariably, once the worship was halfway through or almost through, she'd be up and she'd be out the door. And it wasn't pretty, was it, Betty? <laughs> I learned new words from Betty. Actually, I didn't learn them. I was reminded of all the words I used to use. Oh, she keep coming. But you know something? Betty now walks with a received peace that comes from the knowledge of Jesus Christ in her life. And she walks with hope, and she walks with a joy, and she walks, she's a changed woman. Betty, I mean, isn't that true? I mean, come on. She wasn't born with it. She could never have earned it. And she received. And she received. When she asked Jesus to come and change her life, everything changed. I love Betty. We go and have dinner with her at her place, and it's like a joy just to sit there and listen to what all things that God is doing in her life. See, worship becomes our lifestyle. It's an attitude of thankfulness. It's rooted in an attitude of thankfulness. And so you can be thankful to God, and that is an expression of worship to Him. 
It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. You see, the result of all this is that God is with us by His Spirit. So He's with you today. Paul says, don't you know that you are temples of the living God? That the Spirit of God actually lives in you? He's reminding us, like, well, live like that then. Live with those things that have been put in your lives by Jesus. He's wanting you to be an expression of peace around the world. Here we are on this second Sunday of Advent. He wants us to be peace givers, peace makers, the ones who bring peace to our neighbors and our friends and our family who are living in chaos. How many, raise your hands, know people who are living in chaos right now? It might be you. But you know, you can be a peacemaker. You can be the one who brings the peace of Jesus to the world around you. Why don't we have Angela come up with the team? Why don't we stand if we're able? You see, this peace that we have absolutely is antithetical to your circumstances and the circumstances around the world. It doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. It's a crazy peace. It's nuts. But it's true. We have a peace. We have a peace that defies circumstance, defies everything all around us. And it's yours, available to you today. It's available to me today. This morning I was just sitting in my chair reflecting on the peace of God in my life. And He just comes and He just reassures Gary of His love. Guys, He wants to reassure you of His peace. Let's pray together. We're going to sing one more song. I'll turn it over to Joe. Lord Jesus, Your Word says that You're the Prince of Peace. And of Your government, there'll be no end. Your Word says that You are the one that rules and reigns. And God, we pray this morning that our lives would respond to You. That we would respond to You in heart, in mind, and soul. We would say, God, everything we have is Yours. I don't know how it makes sense. I, I just want to respond to you this morning. Maybe this morning you're responding to Jesus. Just respond to Him. Say, I want to follow you. Whatever that looks like, I want to follow you this morning. You come into my life. Change my life. Give me peace that makes no sense. Would you come and do it? Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, God, as we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.